All right, it's been a few days. Tomorrow the alarm's going to go off. I'm going to get up in the morning and go to the fitness center where I'm going to see Dustin. Where's Dustin? Is he here? Dustin's going to be there. And uh, I know where he's headed. He's going to be doing that stuff. And then I think he takes a shower and he goes off to City Light and Water where he does stuff all day long to make sure the water still flows in Jonesboro. I'm there, and, and, and I know that before I get home, Melissa's going to take off, and she's going to go to Kennett, and she's going to work all day with little kids that are sometimes frustrating and loud and obnoxious and don't always listen to you and don't always respect authority, but she is, she's going to be doing something with them to educate them just a little bit more today than yesterday or last week in and, and preparation for the next day, and she's going to do that all day long on her feet, and she's going to be working all day doing that. I'm going to get home at that time, and that's when my time starts. I pray while at the fitness center because Dustin's there and he needs prayer. But, but there are others, uh, and, 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 and so there, that starts, and then get home and crack open the Bible, other books, look at the membership directory and think, who did I not see yesterday, and send text to them, and, and that's just going on all morning and reading this and reading that. And then, and, then, and then what I know then is I also know that while I'm doing that, Bridget Coates was uh, she no longer goes to the same place, but she and Rebecca Cossey go to another one. And, and they, I know what they're doing. They're, she's about ready to get up, and whether she's going to do some insurance stuff, I don't know, I don't understand, but she's also a nurse, and she does different things like that. And they'll be at Encompass. And I know also at Encompass is going to be uh, 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 um, uh, McKnight, uh, Holly, thank you. And she's going to be kind of operating, you know, kind of putting those nurses where they need to be all day long doing three hours of therapy with every single person at Encompass. And I can't imagine how much energy that takes, making them get up and do their stuff. And, and Marissa Martin's also going to be there. She works there too. And she does the same thing. And several of you do like that, Chris Malone. And I also know that Chris is married to, to his wife, Emily. She's on the third floor. She's the main nurse over all the nurses on a third floor at NEA. And she's going to be going on her feet all day. I know that because every time I go to look for her, she's not in her office. She's on the floor somewhere. And I know others of you are going different places. I know Paul is on the road doing I don't know what, but he's selling toilet paper, and that's important. And at night, way at night, he's cleaning floors at the hospital in Perigold, and it's important for our hospitals to have clean floors. And I know Jeff, he's going over to Riceland, he's doing this, and there are others working at factories, and some at Hytrol, keeping the conveyors going, which keeps Amazon going, which everything we order this time of year is through Amazon. They need the conveyors, and what they do is important, and there's different people of you, and Levon's getting up, coming to the office, running the church. Okay, I shouldn't say it that way, it sounds wrong, but it's the truth. Some work in factories, some drive trucks, some do construction work, helping people build stuff. I don't know where all people are going tomorrow, but tomorrow morning, Valley View is going to be out in the world. Our members who are gathered here are going out in the world, the jobs that are incredibly important, and I'm grateful that you all have them. Matt Horner is going to be making sure that airplanes don't crash into each other. That's a big deal. Many of you school teachers, I know the stress you got. And I know sometimes you can think, oh, I've got a drudgery. When do I get to retire? I'm grateful that you have your jobs. I'm grateful we have our jobs. It's important not just to you and your family. It's important to this church, and that's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So we're going to pause at the end of this time of Thanksgiving. It's not really the end. This is but end of Thanksgiving week, and we're just going to thank God for our jobs. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to be your servants, grateful that you have given us a responsibility, a hefty one, 
of taking your truth out into the world. And the people we see most probably are the people that we work with. And I pray, Father, that these jobs that you give us, even if they're just temporary as we're looking for something else, these are things, this is a blessing you've given us, and we're supposed to use them for your glory and your purpose and to be engaged in them. And Father, I'm grateful that each one of us has something that supports ourselves. I'm grateful that we have something that we are able then to support the church because without those things, this church weakens. And we know what you think about it. And Father, we're grateful. Thank you for giving us our talents, our abilities. Thank you for giving us these opportunities because some people don't have these things. And at the end of this time that we think of as Thanksgiving, we want to say thank you for the jobs that we have to return to again tomorrow. And I pray, Father, you help us to see them bigger than we did before. See them for what they do for you and for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, so we are in 2 Thessalonians, and we're, and we're thinking about the end of this book. And for the second time, the first Thessalonians has some of this. Second time Paul gets on this discussion about jobs. Now keep a disclaimer here. This is church stuff. This is in-house church stuff. This is not for us to take these principles in this passage and take out into the public arena uh, for political purposes. This is in-church stuff. This is what we should be, uh, we should be concerned about for each other. And, and there's a that's important to keep it there because I'm tempted to take this. If you don't work, you don't eat. I'm tempted to roll down my window sometimes and yell this out as I'm driving along the street. It doesn't belong there. So be careful with that, okay? This is for us inside the church. And there must be some kind of understanding of why this is a problem at Thessalonica. I used to think that what these people did was they were thinking Jesus is going to come back so soon that they got out in their yards and their lawn chairs and they just waited for a front row view of Jesus piercing the sky and coming down. And, and so they quit their jobs and they just want to... But I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened here is, 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 is Acts chapter 2 going wrong. You know what Acts chapter 2 is, right? That's our chapter, right? Acts 2.38, our big verse. Well, you keep going beyond that, and Acts 2.42 says the church became so cohesive, they lived together. They sold their stuff, and they put it in a common treasury, and they all lived out of it, and, and then they were house to house eating and all that stuff, and it sounds idyllic. It sounds like the end of a Disney movie. This is just beautiful and wonderful. We're all together in perfect harmony. We're going to live happily forever after. But did you ever notice that Disney doesn't come out with a part two where they begin with the marriage? Disney ends with the marriage. They got together. This adventure of how these two people came together is wonderful, but then it ends. And it says happily ever after, and never do we return to the story. Because if we started a part two at their marriage, it would be boring. Same as a Disney, same as a... Same as a Hallmark Christmas movie because, you know, it's Christmas magic season. And these people all come home from their big jobs somewhere and they love home so much, they quit their jobs, they marry some stranger they didn't know before and New Year's Eve opens up and they're like, what did I do, right? It's like a weird thing. We stop there. We don't start with the rest of the story. And the truth is, Acts 2 is wonderful, but by Acts 6, they were turning on each other conflict over how we dole out this food and who we dole it out to. In Thessalonica, I think what happened is the church does need to do it. Can you imagine this? What, what if the elders get up here at the end of this service and say, we've decided everybody sell everything, put it into a common treasury, and we'll all just live out of it? How many of you would go for that? 
I don't think so either. I'm sure most of us would be fine with that. I mean, we'd do okay with that. But don't you know that, that Thessalonians did this? There were some of the Thessalonians who could work, but since this money was so easy to access, they just didn't anymore, and they let the church just support them. Don't you know that, ha- that happens in our country all the time? It happens in the church too. Listen, I love y'all, but I, we're just a little bit quirky if we actually live together, wouldn't you think? And so, so, so what happens? They start supporting people who were without work for a while, and they keep supporting them, and they keep supporting them, and they keep supporting them, and they're looking at their watches, and they're looking at They're totally capable of getting a job, but they're totally content not having one being supported by the treasury of the church. Paul notices this is going on and says, guys, this ought not to be. You can't abuse the generosity of the church. This is not a problem at Valley View, and so I struggled this week. How do I, how do I approach this at Valley View where it's not really a problem at all? What I want to do and use it for is to, to cultivate in you an awareness of just how grateful we ought to be for the jobs that we have. And here's how I would say it. Paul wants us to have a job. He wants us to be people he wants us to be people who are responsible for ourselves. And, and I, it only, you can only tell how significant is, this is when it's not done. Let me, let me say it this way. If, if you ever get married, what I'm learning about marriage counseling right now is there's, as much as there are issues with money and sex and stress and all that, there's a lot of stress in marriages over one of them being lazy. Like it, it doesn't want to contribute to the family. I know that's probably not a case for you, but, but a guy, you know, a, a girl will look at this guy and boy, he's handsome, look into his eyes, he's got those deep eyes and, lo- and it looks good in a pair of jeans and all that stuff and she dreams about, oh boy, if I had him, life would be great, but those jeans suddenly won't get up off the couch and do any work. Suddenly those jeans just sit there in that thing and they suddenly don't look so hot anymore, Right? And that dream that she had becomes a nightmare because he will not get it. And he's willing to let you work and support his lifestyle. And, he, and he, he, it's not exactly idle necessarily. He's doing something, but it's mostly playing video games. And he doesn't want to get up and do a thing. And when he, when he does look for a job or tries to get a job, he wants a job as close to nothing as he could get. I want to be able to set my own hours, do whatever I want. Guys, that's not a job. That's a joke right? There is no such thing. And if you're waiting for that to drop in your lap, it ain't going to happen. Get out and get a job, boy. Get a job, right? Because once those jeans don't look good anymore. So when you go looking for a guy, Riley, pay attention. College people, pay attention. Don't just look at the eyes and don't just look at the jeans. Look at the work ethic. Listen, if he's, if he's disrespecting authority and he can't hold down a job, you need, to, you need to leave him behind and find another pair of jeans somewhere. You just need to. Girl, guys, it's the same with you. I, I, we talk about this from Proverbs. When you, when you look about something, here's what a guy does. He looks for eye candy like this. Ooh, yeah, she looks good. But he marries her, didn't do his homework. She becomes this, sour patch lady. That's what happens. You think, you think all that look is all it takes, that sexual energy is all it takes? Listen, it, it diminishes quickly when laziness jumps in there. You, there's so much more to marriage than that, and there's so much more to church than just coming, right? We, we are contributors to a church. We're to be people who work in the church. So Paul says, this is weird. He says, here's how you'll fix the church. Get a job. Guys in Thessalonica, get a job. 
so you can be a contributor at your church in Warren. So here's what a job does. Getting a job, first of all, he says, if you'll notice in verse 6, is part of the story of God. Here's what I would say. Getting a job is a way of honoring God's story and God's purpose for each of us. What day of life for Adam did God give, give him a job to do? On what day? On which day of Adam's existence did God give him a job? One. I created you, Adam. Now here's the work I want you to do. Interesting, isn't it? It's not like it was punishment for sin. I'm going to give you a work to do. No, no, no. I created you to have something contribute to the world I put you in. I want you to do something constructive in that world that's good for it. And so on day one, I'm going to put on the job training. And then I'm going to give you this work. You're going to work the ground, Adam. And he, find, and he does. And before, before he introduces the woman and walks her down the aisle, says, you got to have a job, boy. you got to have a job first. Get you a job, then comes the girl. Notice what God says, right? And it's part of who we are. God had it in mind when he says, I want you, I want you to fill the earth and I want you to, to rule the earth like I do. And the first thing he does is gives them a job because there's something we are obligated to contribute to the world to make it what it should be. And that's what God created our identity for. When you have a job, and it doesn't matter what it is. Listen, I, I do ministry stuff all day long and you think, well, that's, that's close to God stuff. Not really. It's no more close to God, me doing my stuff for eight hours, than Emily Malone is close to God doing her eight hours of stuff. Neither Those aren't any different. We're both doing what we are talented and gifted at doing, and we're doing it to God, and it's a ministry. And I used to tell, I used to write letters to my kids' te- teachers when they, back when they only had one teacher. I wasn't going to write 800, you know, because, but I wrote one letter to them. I said, this job you have with my kids and the others in this classroom is a ministry. Every bit as much as my job as a ministry, and I believe it with my whole heart. God created us with a need to make a contribution to the world he put us in. What happens when a human being decides, I'm not going to honor that? What happens when something you were created to do, you refuse to do? Guys, there's no way you can refuse to do something you were created by God to do and not hurt for it. There's no way that you can ignore that and it not hurt you and somebody else. The dignity of knowing every day I did a little something to make the world a better place and you take that out of your life and you erase it out of your life, it does something to your psyche, it does something to your ego, and it does something to you. Your job that you do every day, and I don't care what it is, if you are the street sweeper, I thank God for the street sweeper. Do you know what would happen if we didn't have garbage pickup people? I've been to Albania before they got their country straight back in 1999, and nobody picked up trash. That was the nastiest area I've ever seen in my life, and nobody felt it was their job to do it. That guy who goes by, and you don't even think about him. You just roll your container back to the street, and you don't even think about that guy. His job makes this world better. Amen? Is that true? I mean, everybody's job's like that. That's what God put us here for. And so the first thing he says is, notice how strong he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness, not in accordance with the tradition that you receive from us. Our story, Paul said, the story of God with humanity includes man working. 
And when you refuse, you're stepping out of the story of God. You're ignoring his story. And Jesus commands us to honor our creator's intent. And part of our creator's intent is for you to have work to do. Not only that, but he says, notice in verse 7, you guys know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We labored night and day. Here's what Paul did, and he talks about this in 1 Thessalonians. I worked all night long making tents so that I could sell them and support myself so that in the daytime when you guys were available, I could preach to you. And you guys saw me do this. This was tiring, exhausting work, and I did it all the time. I didn't want to be a burden to you. I did it all the time. So Paul says, don't just listen to my sermons. Watch my life. Watch my life and understand that this working is an important component of the gospel message we preach. We serve, I serve in a church, you attend a church with leaders who do work. They understand that role. You have Paul going to work every day, you have Randy going to work, saving lives every day, health, people with health issues, all, Randy, uh, Jeff with Rice. You have these guys working. And, and listen, it's, it'd be great to have them all just be able to full time. They are providing an example for us, and, and we need to listen to that example, imitate our leaders. Look at verse 12 of this passage. After that, verse 12, now each person's such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. Your job is the way that you go about supporting yourself and your family and your church. It's how you do your life. It's how that you're able to fund everything that you want to do. It's how we do it. Personal responsibility is a huge part of the Christian message don't burden other people. Don't be, don't be a, a, a person who is a burden to others, but instead be someone who supports yourself. And you do that by your job. In the book of Ephesians, he says, I want you to quit stealing. I don't want you to steal from people. What I want you to do is get a job, make your own money, and also take some of that and give to others who are in need. This church depends on the giving of the members of it. And the only way that you can really give to the church is if you have something to give. And the only way that you have something to give is that you have a job that supports you. It kind of goes back. So here's the thing. What you do all day is working for the church. And if you choose not to do that and you step out of that and you become a burden and you can no longer give to the church, well, then you're not able to be a, a, a giving, supporting, working member of the church. So your work is a ministry just as much as mine is. Be givers, not takers. That's a general rule. And there'll be times of unevenness where you need to receive and you should do that without guilt and without shame. But I'm reminded of that phrase, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We live in a world of consumers. What can you give me? And a lot of times people do this with the church. They select the church based on what that church will give them and do for them. And they're just looking for churches that give, give. And those churches that have the largest budgets can give the most and the most. And then you get all these takers. You get all these takers to come in because we love what the church has given us. But at some point in time, you have to have more takers than givers. Givers than takers, right? Right? Or else that church will do a seesaw thing and just kind of 
falter. And he wants them to know the way God has blessed us to be able to take care of ourselves, our families, and the work of the church is through the jobs that we have. Be thankful for them. Be thankful it's a means of doing this. It also, verse 13, is a way of encouraging the church. This one, this was an interesting thing. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Why is that in this passage? Why does he say, brothers, don't get weary in doing good? Here's why. I don't know if you've ever been been a, a person who makes those decisions of benevolence for somebody else, for a church. But it's interesting the schemes people have of ripping a church off. It's interesting people come in with amazing stories and you get wrapped up in those stories and you want to help and you do only to find out it was a total fabrication. Three or four times like that, y'all, and you get really, really cynical. I've, those stop sign people, I know some of their stories. I know some of them are total frauds. And once you know that a time or two, you start thinking they all are. And it's very hard to be a generous-spirited person when your heart's grown callous for all the lies that you're told. It is an amazing thing. Ask LaVon sometimes. She's basically in charge of that here through some other people. But in Kenneth, I did this a lot, and I knew these people. There were people that would come through town the same time every two years. It was on a cycle. And they were depending on a turnover of preachers, but I was there for a long time, and they'd come in the street, and they'd come in the door, and I'd say, hey, and call them by name. I'd turn around and go back out, because they'd been here before. But I wanted to know, they're moving, they, they were traveling from Florida to New York, and I wanted to know why they were in Missouri. You ever wonder that? You know your geography at all? Anybody know, you know what highways it takes to go from Florida to New York? I don't think 412 is on that thing. But it was a story they told every time. When you do this, y'all, your, your generous spirit starts getting calloused over. And Paul says to the church, yes, I know that you're abused sometimes. I know there's people that you're like suspicious. I kind of think they could fund their own way if they wanted to, but they're trying to get away. And it, don't get weary in participating and being generous in the church, even if you have members within that church who abuse that generosity. I think we have a church that's great for this. Terry, I work with him the most because he's often here, Paul there too, and we'll just talk about this every once in a while. Something to come up, talking about members, not talking about outsiders, that's a different story. But members, things come up and you're like, I just don't know that, I, are they be, I don't know. We can't let ourselves grow hardened because of the abuse of a few. I hope we're always a church that's abusable. Does that make sense? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with sometimes having the wool pull over. I'm okay with being gullible. I'm okay with, okay, they got away with it. I see it, but it's, it's okay. I, don't, it's, I would rather be open in heart then close down completely and miss one honest story. And that's the way we need to be, but we got to be that way with each other because, guys, life can become cynical when people do this. I've, I've done this before. This is no lie. And they will lecture me about why we didn't help. One lady I remember, she says, we bought furniture and I forgot that I had to pay for my insulin. She's been a diabetic for years and you forgot 
to pay for your insulin because you wanted a couch? That was bizarre, but it was like the third time to be helped, and we said, no. Boy, the lecture came. The church is supposed to be here to help people. You're God's people. You're supposed to help everyone. That's an interesting story, isn't it? Do you think of a time when Jesus fed people who needed feeding? Do you remember that? Right. Do you remember a time when Jesus wouldn't feed that crowd when they wanted it? Do you all remember that story? We don't remember that story as well. Jesus fed thousands of people, and then they came after him, just kept following him around, and they wanted more food, and Jesus said, I'm not going to feed you anymore. Whatever view of Jesus in the church you have, sometimes, that lends to this next point right here, sometimes the way you help is by not helping. Look at verse 14. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him him as a brother. What is he saying? The generosity train does stop. We stop doing that. We stop empowering foolishness. We stop enabling irresponsibility. This, there is a call for this sometimes. Jesus even stopped it. Sometimes the way we think people should be helped is not helping them at all. And we need to be a church. Listen, here's the thing about us, that we're not to be just totally foolish and one uh, one thing in mind. Some, we, we need to help one another, and we need to mature one another and encourage one another. And sometimes the way to do that is by not financially helping. But if there's a video crew following a person like that and gets this on video, the entire world would say, how dare you be that way? They don't know the whole story. I want us to be a church that loves each other enough to do what's needed, to do what's good for each other, even when it's not the simple call to make. The message of this passage for me, for us at Valley View is, I hope you recognize tomorrow morning, you're going to get up after maybe a few days off. It's going to be harder to get up maybe at the alarm. And and you're going to be thinking, oh, it'd be nice to just take another day off, or it'd be nice to not have to do this, nice to be retired if I could be. You might be thinking all that, but I want you to remember this, all that trouble of getting ready and then getting in your car and going to your workplace. It's a major gift from God. It's how you support yourself. It's how you support your family. It's how you support the church. How you go about that work and that work that you're actually doing as a ministry, it is a function of Valley View Church of Christ. Our people out there working is a big thing, and it allows us all to work together and function as a church. All that's going on, you didn't even know it, all that's going on just by you getting up and going to work and doing your job. Thank you. And I hope you know it's one of the great blessings of your life, even when sometimes you don't see it. It's what God called us to. You are continuing the story of God, and you're taking your role in it, and you're playing your part that God assigned you, and he is pleased with you. 
I hope tomorrow morning you think that and let it run through your head. Don't worry about talking about the sermon during lunch on Sunday. Tomorrow morning, when the alarm goes off, please hear my voice. Please review this sermon real quickly and start your day and know what an incredible gift it is to have a job to do. If there's any response you need to make this morning, there's all sorts of things that God asks us to do in response to Him. Working is just one of them. Always obeying is another, and being His child is another. And if there's anyone who's never responded to the gospel, it's been preached today. It's been preached in the communion. It's been preached in the songs. It's been preached in the sermon. If there's anybody ready to respond to it, we are ready to receive you as we stand, as we sing together.